how welcome to potadelphia my name is dave diorio you can find me on twitter at fat underscore lobster and i'm joined by a guy who never passes up the open shot what's up gene um do you need me to check do you need to check me for anything am i good <laughs> no you're good you're you're clear uh we've uh we've given you a full body cavity search for spider tack uh before the show you are good to go just don't ask me to stand up mid-show because I am planted on this chair. <laughs> Good to hear. Good to hear. Uh, my name's Gene Zilak. You can find me on Twitter at Producer Gene. You can find the show at Potadelphia. Yep. And uh, Sarah's not with us today. She's off uh, down the shore, as the uh, the mayor of Easttown crowd likes to say. Uh, so I hope she's having a great time there. Hi, Sarah, if you're watching the show. Um, so, And we may be joined by Nico tonight. I don't know. Maybe. He'll just show up whenever. I got a, I got a, I got a hard maybe on Nico, so maybe he'll pop in. If he pops in, we'll add him to the stream. We'll have a good time. He knows where oh, we're at. Nico's here. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We got to add him to the stream. Nico, what's up? Uh, Welcome sorry, to the show. Took me a couple minutes, guys. Took me a couple minutes. You're all good. You're. I see your uh, your name here is Nico is pissed. So why don't you take the first uh, sixty oh. second block and give me your 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 Sixers vitriol rant? Vitriol rant. You know my. I just it took. Took me like, I don't know, like forty-five minutes to get my kids to go to sleep. So my vitriol <laughs> rant is going to be a little muted. And now I'm looking at the monitor right now. One of them just woke up because I'm that mad. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> All right, let me ask you guys a question. First of all, how, how's everybody doing tonight? Good, good. We're good. We're good. All right, good. Me too. We're, we're ready to get it on. I just looked. I, I just see myself in the screen right now, and I see I have a lot of up light. Or, or is that down? You're light? good. You, you look great. I've got shin busters set up right here to kind of make me look like I'm in the depths of hell because that's where I feel like my soul is right now after watching this series. I stood up on Father's Day Sunday night by my Sixers. I, I expected more. Foolish am I for expecting so much more. Come here, Gracie. And I just woke up my daughter with my vitriol. Well, here's where I'm at with this, okay? This is really a pretty embarrassing – hey, Gracie. This is pretty an embarrassing display from, like, a, one of our hometown teams, and I I just thought that they were made of tougher stuff than this. To go – to be right, – to give up these leads in games four and five, epic collapse is one of them, and then go on the road and actually show a little heart and come out with the win to force a game seven to come home and lose that game seven in like really a, a, an uninspiring way is completely unacceptable to me. And it's, it's, it's not a Philadelphia team uh, that I would expect out of a Philadelphia team. Where's the, like, we're from Philadelphia and we fight. Where is the, like, there's no excuses. We're not going to blame the refs. We're not going to blame injury. We're not going to blame the coach. We're not going to blame this. We're not going to blame the fans. Yada, 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 wherever. Where is it? Like, you're here. You're in Philly. You're in the WFC. You're in the Wells Fargo Center. There is no way you're coming out of here with a victory. We have the support of every, this entire arena. We have the support of the entire city, and we're just not going to let it happen. And we're just not going to ruin a Father's Day for everybody in the Delaware Valley. I mean, where is that? Where's the where's the Ben Simmons with the snort emoji like that, that we would get before every game? Like, who? What? What is this team? This team is like, what? What is this? This is soft. Clearly, that Ben Simmons blew his load in Salt Lake City. Like, what was that? Like six weeks ago, 
We got one good game out of Ben Simmons, and then the rest of the time, this is what we're dealing with. I'm gonna go put my daughter back to sleep right now. All right, take take two more minutes. So here 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 is my. We'll we'll see Nico in a bit. Um, here's here's my take, and uh, I have been um, known to sort of come to Ben Simmons' defense. I, I've got no, got nothing to defend now. I mean, you. We we all saw what happened. We saw that he couldn't make free throws. That basically you could in the last two series, Washington and Atlanta. If if, if it's late in the game, if you want to keep the Sixers from getting two points, you just foul Ben and you're going to be guaranteed to not get two points. You know, you're going to be trading two for one um, or in some cases two for none. Um, and I don't, I don't really even want to say that he's the entire problem. I, I think what they should have done before they went out for this game seven is watch the last three minutes of that game seven in Toronto and try and find some way to prevent that sort of like to remind themselves that they've come a long way and that this was their chance to really show that they are not just a team that's on the rise, but a team that has arrived. And I think that that's where I was most disappointed is because I really believed because it's been three years really of saying that this is a team that's on the rise. And I felt like this was the year that they were going to show that they were a team that was here. Well, let me, and, um, to not get any further than the Brett Brown Sixers, which is really uh, maybe the, the meanest thing I can say about this team right now, to not get any further than the Brett Brown Sixers is a major, major failure across the board. Yeah, it's funny you bring up the, the Raptors game seven because I feel like if I were Embiid, and I believe that Embiid does feel this way, it's a completely different reaction after this game than it was after game seven. Like, I get that after game seven against the Raptors, he was crushed. Um, that was like a, a high, like a highly emotional loss. This one is seems more anger to me. Um, and I mean, pff, I'm fine with it because I'm right there with you, big fella. Um, but I figure we could do this show in a series of quotes from the players and the coaches and the media and kind of tell the story that way through their quotes. And then we can sort of just react to it. And I'd love to hear what the, you know, the audience has to say uh, in the comments of some of these quotes as well. So let's start it off with Embiid. Uh, immediately after the game, Embiid says, I'll be honest, I thought the turning point was when we had an open shot and we made one free throw and missed the other. And they came down and scored. From there, it's on me. I turned the ball over and tried to make something happen from the perimeter. But I thought that was the turning point. I mean, obviously throwing a ton of shade at Ben Simmons uh, in this in this quote immediately after the game. Uh, this is not uh, this is not like we got each other's back kind of quote here. So is that a symptomatic issue of something that's like kind of broken within the team? Is he just like calling it like it is? Like, what, 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 where are we at with this quote? Thankfully, I think Embiid is calling it like it is. And with him calling it like it is, taking, taking that assertive leadership role that everybody on the Sixers expects him or hopes that he would be able to take. You know I mean? Embiid is the leader of this team. There was a while where it was debated that it was, ah, maybe it's Ben Simmons. Maybe it's Joel Embiid. Maybe it's both of them. Maybe they're the two-headed monster that like everybody hopes that they're going to become. Four years later, clearly they're not. you know. But I love the fact that Embiid said that because it holds Ben Simmons 
passively accountable for what we all know what that quote means, giving up that shot, which then led to only one foul shot instead of two made, and, you know, the rest is history. So I love the fact that he said that. I definitely hold. I definitely think it holds Ben accountable indirectly and directly because we as educated Philly sports fans know what he was talking about, and it asserts him as a leader. And it's, you know, I actually think that the entire country now is holding Ben Simmons accountable because I think before before this series, um, Ben Simmons not shooting was kind of like a local punchline in, in some ways. Like I, I wouldn't turn on ESPN and hear like first take or get up or whatever talking about Ben Simmons shooting, right? It was – that was kind of just like our sports talk radio thing. Everyone call and complain about – Ben Simmons shooting, and and then we would debate. But right now, I feel like the nation is like a galvanized force, saying like, "Okay, what the hell is wrong with Ben Simmons?" He, it, not only is he not, sh- it's like because it, it started as like, "Hey, shoot threes." Okay, you're not going to do that. Fine. And then it was like, "Well, hey, can you take a shot from the elbow every once in a while?" And now it's like, "Dude, you're like by yourself under the basket. Shoot. Like, can he you just like, even shoot? shoot? You're six foot goddamn ten. <laughs> oh, I'm scared. I'm scared that they're going to foul me, and I'm going to have to go to the foul line. Are you kidding? And me, you right? think it's like an image thing? Like I, right I don't want to do the things that I may not be great at. You are great <clears> at <throat> dunking the ball. Dunk the ball. Go ahead and take that shot. You know you're at least going to get two points and an and one. Go ahead, miss that foul shot. Get everybody like riled up with your dunk, and you tie the game. What is wrong with you right there? Comment here, Jared Dudley was was right three years ago. But you know what's funny is the Jared Dudley game, Simmons came back and responded um, after that game in that series. But there was none of that fight in him anymore. And it's really sad. It's really sad to see. And uh, Larry Brown made a comment on a podcast earlier this week that it's like, hey, Ben, take the shot. As the coach, it's on me for playing you so if you miss the shot it's it's on me i'm the one who played you well it's almost like the reverse is true now it's like well doc rivers doesn't take the shot it's on you for playing him he doesn't take shots why are you why are you playing him but that's that's uh that's down for another um uh, down for another segment yeah that could go down a whole other rabbit hole that could it's, be a, so whole it's a strange phenomenon is because even when you're a kid and and you're first going out into a basketball court like you don't, in your mind's eye, imagine yourself getting a rebound. You don't, in your mind's eye, imagine yourself, you know, face up against somebody else playing defense. You you imagine yourself shooting the ball. You know what I mean? You, you sort of, the thing that's the most fun about basketball when you're first starting to play it is to throw up a shot. Like, that's the natural instinct when you're first learning how to play basketball, and I know that he's not a great shooter, but if 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 the object of the game is to put the ball in the basket, if you're going to be in that top 15 level of player, you have got to, when given an opportunity to be the person who scores the ball, you've got to be that guy. And you've got to be able to take over a game when given the opportunity. And there were moments... <laughs> In the last two series, where he he did take over for a stretch for a half, and then he would just unlike unlike any no, I've never seen oh this God. before, where he would just literally just evaporate. But just it's fucking fifty percent of the goddamn sport. It's like if Nolan Arenado was like, yeah, I don't I don't hit. 
I don't hit. Sorry, I'll be a, I'll be a gold really glove third glove baseman for you every game, but I'm here. sorry, I don't hit. Go ahead, Nico. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, Dave. I'm just like talking right. over you, and I well, should be talking over you because this is like your cake. But oh my god, dude, are you kidding me right now? The guy is making thirty million dollars a year. You mean to tell me? Okay, you're not a shooter. That's cool. You're a defensive specialist. That's fine. You're a six ten point guard who can pass ten assists a game. That's amazing. Okay, at least make a foul shot when there's nobody standing in front of your face. Okay, you don't have to shoot a three pointer. I don't care. You don't have to have a you, you know a floater. You don't have to have anything, any kind of perimeter game whatsoever. But like, dude, dude foul shots, foul shots. I mean, he needs a hook shot. Yeah, he, he, needs, a he needs a dunk, he needs a hook a shot, and a hit free throws. All right, listen. Here's what Ben says after the game. We lost. It sucks. I am who I am. It is what it is. It's not easy to win, and it shows Nets got finished by the Bucks. It's not easy to win. Does he forget that he's playing in Philadelphia? I, I, like, I, oh my God, I am who float. I am. I am that who I am. That, is that I am be what I am, and that's all that I am. I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. <laughs> I take a sip of my kombucha for my gut because I'm about to be sick. I wonder how much of our audience has actually seen like a Popeye the Sailor Man cartoon on television. Probably more than you think. You think? I don't know. I mean, my kids have never seen it. Anyway. The audience is probably like, get get Nico's pissed off. Here. He's too angry for a Tuesday night. <laughs> All right, so I am what I am. I am what I am. That quote to me means like, look, I'm not changing. You're gonna expect me to 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 uh, make shots. It's not happening. I I am who I am. What does that mean? I am who I am. That means I want out of Philly. Hey, hey Ben, you, how, you what, really what are your thoughts on like the game? What, <laughs> what are your thoughts on the game? It sucks. I lost. I am who I am. What is that? Who asked you that? Because you know right away, you you got a ton of blame on your shoulders for this for this particular game and the series overall. So you are who you are. And you're saying that means he wants out of Philly? Uh, absolutely. Because I think he's fed up with being critiqued for his mental performances. And obviously, the game that he's playing right now. You know, if you want to go to some small market where you can suck and nobody's going to like call you out on it, go to Portland. Go to anywhere else that you want to go to. I, You know, I can battle off the names. and then Believe I'm me, I would love to see him in Portland. Oh my God! I would love to see Dame over here, but you know that's 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 beside the fact. I don't think that, you know. I think we're more likely yeah, like to a get million CJ dominoes McCall in the fall. Or right. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, um, but anyhow, that's a small small market mentality. If you want to fly under the radar for all of your mental gaffes, the breaks in your game, uh, I need a break or I need to figure it out, and I'm gonna figure it out. Go take your time to figure it out. But don't take our $30 million and the praise of one of the most passionate fan bases in the entire country. You know, yeah. like, I, don't get out of Philly. This is not your place. If As you the time mentally to take your $30 million check per year and cash it, but still try to figure yourself out as a player four years into the league, dude, you're a, you're a, what, a three time all star, two time NBA a defensive player of the year finalist, and you still need time to figure out this aspect of your game, dude, you need to get out of here because this is not the environment for you. Too much pressure. Look, don't get me wrong. You put me on on a stripe 
in a, in an NBA playoff game where it's, I got to make them baskets and they're fouling me to intentionally get me to line. I'm not making any of those shots, but I'm this not, it's your job, but I'm not, I don't have the mental fortitude of a, of a pro athlete. I, I, I just don't, I would will got under that pressure. I, I just know it. Check. Oh, <laughs> seems my clams. But I, I, I guess, I guess more my, my issue is when you, when you take that sort of approach is like, let's think about some of the guys who have rings. Um, and I'm just going to put pull two guys out of a hat just at random, uh, Michael Jordan and LeBron James. Okay. And if randomly, either one of those randomly, guys randomly those was players. on a team and they were cl- it was clear to either one of those guys <laughs> that the reason that they weren't winning was something that was wrong with show. their game, I think that both of those gentlemen would spend the offseason trying to put a, a, as much putty and plaster on that part of their game so that when they came back next year – they were not going to be uh, a liability in a particular part of their game. Because 100%. ultimately what's more important than I am who I am is I won where I won. Did you uh, did you guys see the quote from Kobe Bryant that was floating around the internet uh, this week? It's a new quote? No, it's not a new This is not a um, – oh, this is not like a, a oh. from the grave situation. But um, – Kobe Terrible. in 2019 said, uh, yeah, this is not like a Tupac like release. Kobe would have a yeah. field day with Ben Simmons. So Kobe in 2019 he's said, he's got to get a jump shot. It sounds stupid and all that, but I'm dead fucking serious. Because if not, he will regret it when his career is over. And like, you don't just get, you don't always just get a million chances at this thing. Like, you don't always get. Like you don't always get to play the Wizards and the Hawks to get to the Eastern Conference Finals at home, you know, against a, a, to play in a championship that doesn't involve like one of the two or three greatest players that has ever played the game. And uh, Kevin Durant isn't going to always get bumped when he's yeah, right in front yeah, of you. Yeah, exactly. So next year, who the hell knows? Maybe Embiid gets hurt next year. Maybe uh, maybe the Nets are all healthy next year. Like, you don't know what's going to happen. You may never have this opportunity This was again. your chance, yeah. This could have And been. you're going to look back and you're going to say, oh, I blew that opportunity because I was, like, too diva to, like, take a jump shot or, like, get sent to the foul line and, and you know, have some guts to make a free throw. And, and that's what Kobe's saying here. It's like your legacy is at stake. This is, like, mm-hmm. not – just slough it off like it's nothing it's here and for some guys on this team this is like their only shot uh you know at, at something like this and, you know who knows where Dwight Howard's gonna be he's a free agent and, and some of these other guys maybe this was their last chance at a winner I completely agree with you and you know what when while we were watching the game and I'm fortunate enough to be on like you know our, our tech string together where we're kind of like shooting things back and forth and you know you said something you said MB legacy game question mark at the beginning of the game, you know, maybe like first quarter. And I think he had like a couple made three pointers. It was like, Whoa, you know, and obviously he's on one leg and no, I don't think it's an Embiid legacy game because I, I think Embiid cemented his legacy throughout his performance across the board. I mean, you know, with a torn meniscus being able to do what he was been, what he was able to do and carry the team to this point, clearly it wasn't enough. Well, we're going to talk. Let's yeah, let's, you know, let's talk about sidestep on Ben, but like, you know, with Ben, this is your chance with Embiid's torn meniscus to kind of pick up the slack here. And yet maybe create your legacy a little bit. And what did he do? He completely vanished, disappeared was a complete non-factor. Actually, was a complete non 
major factor because it ended up being like a the last two minutes of the fourth quarter ended up being like hack a Ben. So, you know, it, the whole, the whole situation with Ben Simmons, would got so ugly turned around in so many different directions. I don't think there's any turning back from this. I, I, I definitely think the Sixers will have to move on from this situation. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about, let's talk about Embiid for a second, because I mean, you know, we, we kind of dwelled a lot on Ben here and there's a bunch of other players on the team that were on the floor during a, you know, 26 point lead, uh, in game five, Five. uh, that really could have, you know, put this thing to bed really early. I mean, like, you know, we could sit here and say, look, this series should have been over in five games. And they caught us sleeping in game one, game two, you win game three, you win. Game four, you have like an 18-point lead. Game five, you have like a 26-point lead. This thing should have been over in five. And it's hard to argue with that. Um, now Embiid's on the floor. You know, Embiid's responsible for a ton of turnovers. He, you know, obviously didn't look like himself in a lot of those games and, and ran out of gas at the end. So, you know, where's Embiid's culpability in all this? And I'll read you Embiid's quote because um, – you know, let's just let's just look at his note after the game. Philly, Philly, I love you. Sorry to disappoint you again. Just know that I gave everything I had knowing the circumstances. If there's one thing I've learned being here, it's the toughness this city's had, and that's why I played with a torn meniscus. Thank you for the support all year long. Oh, I mean, really quick to be like, I was hurt. Oh, Remember, I, I was idea. hurt when you think back on this. I played yeah, hurt for you. I was hurt. I mean, you would never hear something like that from AI, right? Now, listen, it wasn't until that moment that it was like, oh, wow, Embiid. Amazing. You played with the torn meniscus. And then he had to all remind us of it. It's like, all right. Like, does anybody want to kind of, like, be culpable but yet keep their mouth shut? Uh, I don't know. But <laughs> – I just think it's like I think you got to let other people say you're playing with you're playing with an injury rather than really talking about it yourself. I don't know. I, it's just I, me. I think I mean you. He says it. I I gave you everything I had. I don't think you need to couch the statement with given the circumstances or I played hurt for you. I think all he needs to say is I gave it my best, and there isn't a person who was actually watching the games and not putting up Twitter polls for WIP. That would say, like, we absolutely know, Joel, that you gave us everything you have. We physically saw it. He doesn't have to say it. And I don't know if it's partly him answering these sort of goobers that sort of want to know whether or not he was he was milking it. Maybe it, maybe, maybe there is some of that that has trickled past the filters. Um, you know, so I, I'm willing to sort of give him the benefit of the, the doubt on that. But this, you even as as great as he was, and I mean the the other person in the in the NBA that also got ex exited in the second round was the actual MVP. This is not a one man sport. You you need to have your teammates. You need to have guys step up. The Hawks had guys who were not Trey Young step up in Game Seven. How many baskets had Trey Young hit by the beginning of the first fourth quarter? I think he hit two shots. You know what I mean? Like, if you had told me you're going to go into game seven and you're going to hold Trey Young to two baskets through three quarters, 
I would have taken that and I would have told you the Sixers are up by 15. But that's not what happened because they had other guys, they had their other players step up in a big moment and take up the slack for the star. Because that's what happens. You're going to have a team bear down, buckle down and say, Trey Young's not going to beat us. These other guys had better beat us. And that's what happened to the Sixers. They said Embiid's not going to beat us. And that's where somebody else had to step up. And that's where you need a personality. And I hate to bring this guy up. And it's not even so much just him. But you need to have a guy who is willing to be like, I'm going to be the goddamn man. I'm going to do it? it. James Buckets. Thank you very much. Yes. Yes, G. Because there there was something that was missing. There is something that is missing on this team. And I believe we know it as the eye of the tiger. This team does not have the eye of the tiger. They need to go to Chicago and run on the beach and figure out how to get that killer instinct. Because I don't want to see Clubber Lang, Trey Young next year. Oh, punching dude, you're my asking legs for out. Mickey. You're asking for the ghost of Mickey. Goldman. What? Oh, so, Nico, what What would, you're uh, asking for what would Mick you're say ask, to Ben you're Simmons? You're asking for a big pile of shit to get thrown over your head. But, but Mick, I can't, I can't make my free throws. What should I do? You can get up, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Quit passing the ball and throw it in the hole. What the hell is wrong with you, kid? What uh? Do, would you have any recommendations for a, a training regiment for for improving free throws? Look, if you can catch this chicken, you can catch grease lightning. Now catch that damn boy. <laughs> now let's... All right, thanks, Mickey. Gene, 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 completely agree with you. And oh man, did you? What what have we done? What what have we been able to accomplish with? That player that Gene just mentioned, the player with the eye of the tiger that was willing to step up like Herder stepped up, like Collins stepped up, like the rest of those Atlanta Hawks, Bogdanovich or um, Gallinari. I got something in my throat, Gallinari, for crying out loud. (laughs) Nobody, I mean, like that's someone you, you picked, you chose Brett Brown over, you chose Ben Simmons over. I don't know. I don't know. It's frustrating. It's frustrating. And my daughter's still awake. Good for her, man. She's rocking it. School's out, man. Oh, yeah. School's out for summer. She's five, though. It's, you know, kind of. Kindergarten's over, man. Party's over. All right, let's get back to some more quotes. Um, Where do we go from here? here uh how about this one this one was funny because i was driving around the other day i heard i heard uh doc rivers press conference um i think it was the day after it was the day after it might have been two days after um he was asked uh the realities of the situation is there's a lot of expectations that you inherited from years before you got here i'm just wondering how you weigh all of that and absorb all of that based on what fans expect over the course of the year So Doc Rivers says, see, but I don't know what the expectations were outside. What, did you have an expectation that after losing the first round that we were going to win a title the next year? I don't know what that is. 
but I had expectations. So I really don't care what anyone else is. You better so, care. Aren't we the people that are paying your salary? Now, look, I don't know if Doc Rivers is a is a good coach or not, but I do know that Doc Rivers thinks you're an idiot. Because to sit there and say, okay, we're going to look at it as a, as a Sixers fan. I'm going to look at my progression of my team based off of a bubble sweep. Like, oh my gosh, how could we ever win a title? We just lost in the first round in the bubble last year. I mean, how do you not have title expectations? Like, you have to be so, you have to think we're morons to accept that quote. But then he goes on to say, I wanted to win a title. I put that expectation out there on purpose and on our team. We set the bar high. Well, what is that? You just said it would be ridiculous for me to have that expectation after getting swept in the bubble of winning a title, but you're setting that expectation on the team. So you honestly do think we're idiots. He backtracks on everything he says <coughs> regarding Ben Simmons. Regarding There's no culpability. There's no ownership for any of this stuff. I mean, for a guy that runs a 10-man rotation in a game seven in the NBA playoffs, there's not a lot of like culpability in his post-game comments. See, here, here's my, my take with Doc Rivers because I was, I, I've been back and forth on what, how much blame I want to put on the coach. And honestly, I think that there was so much good that I saw through the regular season with, with Doc Rivers. I think that he is able to maximize a lot out of players that you, you don't necessarily see this sort of output. Uh, clearly, Tobias Harris is a different player in Doc Harris. And, and, and Doc's offense than he was with Brett Brown's. I think that Doc Rivers is a much better player with 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 talented young players like Maxi. Um, I think that you got a lot more production out of him than you would have gotten out of Ma Brett Brown. Um, I didn't love how he handled most of this Atlanta series. Um, I think that either he got he either outthought himself or he just never was able to figure out the, the adjustments in this series. And um, I don't know if it was because he, he kept trying to think, like, if I just tweak this one thing, I can get past this Embiid issue. And and I think he, he needed to just be like, look, this is what I've got. This is what works the best. This is what I'm going to do. Um, I, I And I don't want to say that the guys quit on him either. It certainly gives you the impression that they it looked like they – they they never really recovered from those losses in the middle of the series. Um, once they they found themselves human, um, they sort of lost their their confidence, and that I, I don't know why. That is the thing I will fault Doc Rivers on is after a loss like you take in Game Five, you have got to find a way to get those guys to reset mentally and absolutely try and find a way to give them their edge back. And if that means that you've got to go to a smaller bench and use some, some characters that you yes, may not. That's what it means. Did you watch game seven? Back? Did you watch game seven of the Nets bucks? Yeah, I did. I mean, goddamn Durant played the whole game. Harden played 47 minutes. Like wh why can't Tobias Harris play 47 minutes? 
what why why am I looking at like George Hill and Corkmaz and uh Shake Milton? I mean, ten guys, ten guys. Well, and I think in that also, game so you know, call it hubris, but I think <clears throat> that he honestly believed that he was fighting another day, like gonna live to fight another day, that he was trying to spare, you know, the legs of these guys that he didn't want to he didn't no. want to burn them out. You can't do that in a game seven. There's no I please don't tell me that was the reason because you can't do it in a game five in a, in a game that you give up 30 points, you know, a, a 30 point lead. <laughs> but I, I mean, like, what else makes sense? Why else would you go in with that rotation in a game seven unless you really honestly believe that you don't want to burn? I don't out? I don't know. But unless Furkan Korkmaz is drilling threes, he can't be on the court. Agreed. I mean, gets I think he in sweatpants on game seven. You're not moving, you're staying on the bench. I mean, he's the only guy I, I absolutely know what color sneakers he's wearing. He's got the the clown shoes. He can't keep up on defense. And unless he's knocking down corner threes, I just can't have him on the court. It's really, the two, only guy like that, bars, is, that is, not a, that is a non-starter that I want to see any significant time from in Game 7 is, is Thibel because he does give you uh, something that, that the, uh, these other guys don't. You need one of either Maxi and Shake. I, you don't need them both. You figure out which one has got it that night, and that's the guy you rock with. And I don't understand why maybe you didn't say to Ben Simmons, like, you're on a real short leash, buddy, because Maxie showed me that he can get points here in game six. So you better be edging yourself to a, a, like a, like a, like a triple-double early because you guys see, I got a guy see that's going to create offense. You guys just see that that plug right there. I don't think any one of our players could play 45 minutes except Ben Simmons. I don't think our players, except for Ben, could play 45 minutes. Well, maybe because he's not uh, doing anything on offense, relaxing. I was just going to say, yeah, you can play 45 minutes when you're not shooting the ball or even trying to shoot the ball or drive the lane or do anything else except pass. Yeah, and here, here you go. Maxie was bad in game seven. Yeah, well, and, that, and that's part of the issue is, and where Daryl Morey needs to take some some of the blame here. He didn't do the damn thing on on the trade deadline, and we don't have a sixth man. There's no, there is zero consistency from anybody off of the bench. It was, and maybe this is why there's ten guys. It's like, okay, well, let me who's who's hot. I don't know. I got to find out who who's actually gonna have an impact this game. You know, I hit that other day on on Milton. I hit it on this game on Maxi. Uh, you know, who is there anybody on this bench that could possibly bail out this team one way or another? And it's just there's just no reliability at all on the bench whatsoever. They're either too young, too old, too slow, too bad defensively, too inconsistent with shooting. And there's just no. You know, I, I felt like the Hawks did have people to turn to on the bench that could knock down shots or, or make a play. Do you think that not having Danny Green really yeah, hurt. ruined? Yeah, of yes. course it hurt. It yeah, really hurt. yeah, definitely. I think he balanced everything out. Do you think not being able to pull the trigger and make the Kyle Lowry trade happen? Do you I think that know. would have had like, if we had Kyle Lowry on this? Roster, I was kind of against the Lowry trade, so it's not really fair for me to say, "Yeah, we should have done it." You just mentioned trade deadline, and I'm just like thinking, "All right, well, do you yeah. do we get past these Hawks?" Do we have these same Ben Simmons shooting issues if we have a guy like Kyle Lowry on the on the table? You know, 
in this rotation? I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. But like I said, yeah, I was against the Lowry trade at the time, it. so it's hard. It's disingenuous for me to sit here and say like, yeah, they definitely should have. But I mean, I, I was wrong. I definitely think like the evolution <laughs> of Embiid's knee injury and then the evolution of Ben's shooting woes being highlighted, especially you know in games four, five, six into seven. You know, it's it's kind of it kind of. I think that is what's attributing to Doc's kind of like, what do I do here? You know what I mean? Like yeah. if Ben would have stepped up, then Doc obviously has his solid, you know, one four, and then like he could kind of like figure it out from there. But you know, when Embiid went down or got some of his superhuman strength taken away from him, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, you're hoping somebody else steps up back to Gene's point, and nobody did. So he's kind of like shuffling the deck every single night. You know, and when you're shuffling the deck every single night, it takes away the continuity of a run for a team. It takes away so much, you know, especially, you know, in this type of environment, the playoff environment, you're really kind of counting on your team to really gel. Everybody figure out their role and keep going ahead. You know, when you're when you're redefining your roles every single game, it kills your continuity. And then from there, how are you supposed to win? You know, so. Yeah, and I absolutely agree with this. We did miss Danny because Danny was that other defender who was an also an offensive threat that could help with those other guys like Herter and, and Gallinari. So, yeah, that, for sure. Good comment there. Um, all right, let's move on to another quote. Let's talk about officiating because it's such a huge part of this series. It was such a, it's such a huge part of the, of the NBA these days. Um, let's go to an Embiid quote uh, there on officiating. There's a lot of stuff that went wrong. Um, whether it's they can foul me all they want, whether it's the officiating, you got guys fouling, putting their hands up, me going for a dunk, and they don't call anything. Last three games, it's been the same way over and over. Then last game, I get fined for having my arms out while getting pushed in the freaking back. No, come on, come on. (laughs) I got fined just because, I guess, I don't know why. There's a lot of stuff that went wrong. Um. That dude, you know, let's, not, let's, take, let's take out the, the, the John Collins like push because Embiid was look. If you're being intellectually honest with yourself, Embiid was <laughs> escalating that. <laughs> Trey Young was not pushing Embiid into him, like despite whatever still frame photo you want to take in that. You know, yeah. Collins did push him off when they were down on the ground, and Embiid didn't yeah, like it and up. wanted to wanted to make a big thing about it. So like. Let's just be intellectually honest with ourselves. He wasn't. It wasn't getting pushed in the back. I mean, maybe he was, but then you know, come on. Um, but as far as the officiating goes, <clears throat> you know, I don't know. I, was it as was was as outrageous as Sixers fans want to make it out to be, or as Embiid is making it out to be? Um, I know there were some plays for sure. The John Collins headlock um, was certainly one. The uh, the Bogdanovich. Slap on the Embiid dunk was certainly certainly one that that I can remember. And you know, I'm sure if I'm a Hawks fan, I could sit here and say, "Well, you know, I'm going to cite this one and this That's one and this one." Every too. series, yeah. Are we going to talk about the officials if we win this series? Never. You know what I mean? So, well, know, yeah, we would say we won despite the officiating, the Hawks, the uh, the broadcasters being against us. Uh, oh yeah, uh, yeah. John Collins, Nita Seth. If, if, if you the the Collins Nita Seth's head, if you, there's actually a still frame of him looking like he's like doing like a a Street Fighter uh, move 
uh, with like a hyper knee or yeah. something like, right? You know, if you UFC take a spill move. of it, it's it looks super egregious. Like that, but like, I mean, that like was a bad dead. foul. And I was actually wondering if they were going to take a look at that for a potential flagger. But I don't even flagger. think they looked at it. They didn't. They rolled right past it. Wind up impact follow through. Kacha. <laughs> Hadouken. Anyway, somebody followed through on Collins. Well, there was, there was, there was, there was a moment stuff. in Game Seven that I, you know, as much as, as Joel maybe says this was the turning point, um, that 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 flagrant foul that Dwight Howard took, that was that four point swing, I think, in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like that yeah. absolutely clipped what was seemingly a bit of momentum headed the Sixers way. And it was such an unnecessary thing to do. It was such an, a self-inflicted wound. You know, have I seen uglier flagrant fouls? Yes, but there was absolutely no reason for Dwight to go as far as he did in that particular in that particular play. Like it was just it was just extra aggression, totally unnecessary. And for a guy who has been in as big a games as Dwight Howard has been, he has played on gigantic teams with the best players in the world. And for him to still be sort of like that, not mentally sharp in a situation like that, where you can, you know, even if you go back that and was remember kind, watching. Gene. That was very kind. If you remember not watching, in, you know, when the, in the 90s, when it was a lot more the Wild West of, 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 of physical basketball, you would even see guys like Dennis Rodman be able to sort of rein it in you know, in, in some of these bigger games and not make, you know, obviously you also had guys on the other end of the table, like Rashid. Oh, they let more go back in the, who, who, who made a career out of getting thrown out of games. But, um, you know, I, I just think that it was sort of a, a very small, succinct example of why the Sixers were not going, you know, they just were not mentally sharp. They were not mentally sharp in this whole series. A team that is mentally checked into a game, you know, a series, does not give up a 28-point lead. It doesn't happen. You have to seriously take a, a, a mental nap. You have to just check out to lose a game like that. Yeah, and that was another bad one when uh, Thibel uh, fouled Herter for the three free throws and he made all three. Yeah, that was, that was another bad one. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely a foul. There was no arguing that it, that it was a foul. It, it was just a bone, just a bonehead play by a young player who's like running out of times. So we can say, you know, he made a bonehead play because he's a young player. Um, and I get that he wants to be aggressive, but you know, if if you've watched this show before, if you've listened to this show before, you know where I stand on Trey Young. You know where I stand on foul baiting and how it's a a major problem in the NBA uh, overall. Huge. It, it sort of makes the game unwatchable. I really don't want to watch any more Hawks games uh, this year because I just can't. I just can't deal with it. Him, Harden, uh, among a bunch of other players, like Corkman. I mean, it all Harden time. basically invented it. Um, but the the league is uh, cracking down on it. Um, NBA players are now set to receive the summer to prepare for new changes, and referees will be trained to identify and properly officiate certain non basketball motions uh, based on the competition's committee's guidance. Uh, and subject to discussions with the Board of Governors, the league will train officials to identify and properly adjudicate the following overt actions to initiate contact with defenders. So one, when a shooter launches or leans into a defender at an abnormal angle. 
Two, when a shooter kicks his leg up or to the side at an abnormal angle. When an offensive player abruptly veers off his path sideways or backwards into a defender. Uh, these are all going to be either offensive fouls or non-calls. So the way this is going to be is um, if the defender initiates contact after the offensive player starts his upward shooting motion, uh, a, shooting a shooting foul will be called um, just as normal. So it's either going to be, if it's marginal, it's going to be a no call. If it's egregious or um, I don't know what they're, they're calling it, um, uh, more than marginal, it'll be, a, it'll be an offensive foul, which I think is going to change a lot for guys like Trey Young. I mean, gonna half be a of the reason that he gets the, the shots that he gets too, is because people are afraid of fouling him. Yeah, and sorry, like we like defense. Like you got to give the defenders a chance, right? You you can't you can't have it be that everything that the defender does. There are so many times where a defender is behind him and he sort of like backs up, and it's the defender yeah, not pulls even, up. Yeah, yeah, and one. It's it's so frustrating when you see what should be fundamentally sound defense get called for fouls. And you can see how frustrated the defender, you know, the these guys get. And then you, that's when you sort of see these. If I'm going to take a foul anyway, I might as well, you know, make sure he definitely doesn't get that basket. Yeah, but I honestly think this rule change, if it's if it's you know officiated properly, uh, will be a great advancement for the league. I mean, I just can't say like it's a garbage ball to me. Uh, some of this stuff, but I think NBA fans overall, it's like <laughs> your team never fouls. Your team always gets fouled. I almost can't stand NBA Twitter because it's like so insane with the crybaby stuff and the players too. I mean, how many times did Trey Young get a T in this series for crying about a foul or a lack of a call? Oh my God. I feel like I'm starting to watch world cup soccer with the way that everybody's yeah. complaining and crying, pretending, you know, all the flopping going on, all the, like, you know, Oh, I got poked in the eye. You didn't even get touched in the eye. You know what I mean? Like, like all this crazy stuff, it's really getting ridiculous and it's getting pretty annoying to watch like you, Dave, it's getting unwatchable. Like all of this, like foul baiting. It's so oh. frustrating. Oh, I thought you meant I regardless. Reg no, you're you're very watchable. In fact, I was just gonna comment. You look like you have a glow, like an Aruba kind of like tan going on here. It looks amazing. <laughs> I was at the pool this weekend, man. You know, give me a break. You were at the pool. You look I great. I was at the pool. I was at the pool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. What else? Guys, I gotta go. See you, Nico. Thanks for joining I us, bud. I love you guys. Talk we'll to see you later. again soon. Keep buddy. up the great work. All right, bye. Hey, uh, Gene, you want to talk a little bit about free agency to uh, to bring this show to a close? Let's do it. I, I'd rather do that than um, <laughs> than, than talk about uh, you know previewing the Bucks and Atlanta Hawks series. Jesus. No, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. You gonna watch that game tomorrow night? I'm, I may pop it on late. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Yeah, he got a technical in Game Seven because uh, he called he called the timeout uh, before the foul. So it's like, God, man, God, what a brat, man! I can't stand that guy. Anyway, Bucks in three, right? Am I right? Am I right? Bucks in three. Bucks in four. Yep, that's that's the train I'm on. Suns in four. Suns in four, guy. You see, Suns in four, guy. Yeah, I think the Suns roll, man. Did you see Suns in four, guy? I don't know if the Suns lose again.
Gene, I'm asking you, did you see Sons and Four Guy? Oh no, I didn't he's like see a celebrity in uh in Phoenix now. Oh no, I didn't know. I guess he was that. at what game was he at? <sighs> the Nuggets game. Okay, he was, in a, he was at a Denver game, and like some dude poured beer on him. He like knocked out these two uh, two oh, Nuggets geez. fans. Sons of four, yeah, and then um, uh, Booker, like uh, Devin Booker, gave him all the stuff or whatever, and like brought him out to the game or whatever. Sons and four guys, awesome. Nice. <laughs> you can kick anyone's <laughs> <laughs> kick my ass any day. Um, all right, uh, Danny Green quote: uh, I talked to Doc, and my first initial reaction is, I appreciate everything you've done for me. Green said. He goes, "You'll be back. You're not going fucking anywhere. That's a good sign. They want me back." I talked to the guys and they said, hopefully we have you back. So clearly Doc Rivers, at least when he's talking to Danny Green, wants Danny Green back uh, on the team next year. I, I have um, nothing certain to, really bad to say about Danny Green. I thought he was a good addition. I thought he he was as advertised. I think he adds uh, sort of that, that player coach um, aspect to the team. Uh, I think he's a, a guy that's got championship experience. He's won championships on more than one team, which – um, basketball teams are small, so you, you don't win a championship on more than on, on two different teams unless you're able to contribute in some way, whether it's mentally. Well, he won it on three teams. All just, those uh, yeah, he won it on three different teams. He was going yeah, for, so. for but just two in a two in a row um, yeah. in the last two years. Yeah. So the the um, the free agent group uh, from the Sixers is Danny Green, uh, Furkan Korkmaz, Dwight Howard, Mike Scott. Uh, Gary Clark and Ray John Tucker. Um, uh, you know, uh, I honestly, oh, Ray John Tucker's Green's a restricted the only one I would have back of that group. Honestly. Who's that? Danny Green's the only one of that group I would have back. I mean, uh, <coughs> I'm okay with <coughs> I'm okay with a lot of these guys like Cork Moss. You need a backup center. I don't know what you're going to do if if it's not Dwight. Who is it? Yeah, um, I mean, I guess you need a, is he ready? A version of Dwight, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, like, these guys are okay in the regular season. I just don't need to see them so much in, like, critical playoff games. Right. And Dwight Howard needs to, like, understand what he can do and cannot do because he, he my made a lot of costly bonehead. Is when Dwight plays within his lane, you get a lot of very positive minutes from Dwight. It's when he starts to veer off and do things that he's not good at that you sort of have these, you have these mental lapses. You have these, he's just not, he's not, he's not 26 anymore. You know what I mean? Like Dwight come and do, do the job you need to do. Don't, don't cause damage. Um, yeah, that green's the only one you bring back unless Cork Moss is willing to take current salary. I mean, that's yeah, I, that's think, true. Yeah, I think Cork Moss is going to be do a raise. I think there are places yeah, where he Cork is. Moss can start. Well, he's going to want one. Um, yeah, there are bad teams, probably, I think, that, yeah. that Cork Moss starts on. I, I do. If Davis Bertans can make like $30 million a year, you know, who knows? Sky's sky's the limit. Um, yeah. all right, let's let's end on this. Um, and uh, interested to hear whatever what everyone else is like. Dream, dream trade Ben scenario is <clears throat> if you're on board with trading Ben. Um, what is your dream player to get uh, in return? Dream scenario. What do you think, Gene? I mean, we we talked about it a little bit earlier. My my favorite non Sixer in the NBA is Damian Lillard. Um, really, I, oh, I didn't know that there was a way. You know, he has sort of given indications that he'd like he'd like out. 
Um, I sort of feel like that Portland has sort of maximized what they're going to do around him. You know, it may be time for them to sort of nuke it. I, I don't know. Uh, that would be my dream guy. I I also like a situation where you could get a Bradley Beal. Um, I mean, I'd say, say that those two would be the, the guys that I, I think would be excellent, you know, 1A players with, with Joel Embiid. And I really think that that's sort of what we need. You know what I mean? I think that in in, in Brooklyn, you've got an, a, a 1A, B, C, you know, or a 1A and uh, a 1, a 1A, and a, and, a, and, a, and a 2A with Kyrie. I think that Kyrie, talent-wise, should be an A, but his sometimes his head just is not not your star player, like your, your, your franchise player sort of mentality. Um, but I think that the Sixers need a one and one a, I think that need, they need a guy who is, is, is Joel's one a, um, and I don't think we have him yet. I don't think that we need a, a three headed snake. I like the way that Tobias Harris played this year. I like him as, as your, your third guy. I think that he had some really good, good games in the playoffs. I think he can be, I think what he gives you is pretty consistent. Um, I think his personality sort of meshes with the idea that there could be two other stars. Um, I think that he's sort of not looking to overtake the spotlight uh, from Joel Embiid. I think clearly Joel Embiid has established that this is his team. Um, but I, I don't know that at this point, the relationship between Ben and Joel, this is something I wanted to sort of say earlier when, when Joel is saying that he sees that Ben passing up that dunk as a turning point, and sort of calling him out that way, you know, there was some, I think I saw one of the comments where it sort of said like, you know, that's a, a conversation you could have in private or should mm -hmm. have in private. My take is this because Joel and, and Ben have played together for a long time. They've had that conversation in private, probably more times than Joel is, is willing to have. And at this point he's like, you know, I don't know why he's passing up shots like that. What, what am I supposed to do? You know, he, he's it's he's now he's now beyond trying to to make it look like they they're gelled and that they're super tight. They, they aren't. We all know that they aren't. We all know that they're not best friends. They don't have to be, but it's beginning to look like there isn't anybody that can make those two pieces slide together in a way that gets us out of the second round. Yeah, um, just got some um, some names pouring in here. Uh, I also saw on Twitter today something about Greg Popovich that he would trade anyone to get Ben Simmons. Okay. Well, if if Pop thinks that he can convince Ben to shoot, then you know I'll drive him to San Antonio. I I, I don't know. I don't I don't know how else. I mean, I that's what that's what happens is the Sixers trade Ben Simmons and Ben Simmons wins an MVP in the Western conference. Like that's just life as a Philadelphia fan, but I, but I don't there know is what else such a thing as, yeah, there is such a thing as a good trade for both teams. Right. And I mean, I'm not one of these guys, like, for example, if Carson Wentz wins a Super Bowl with the, with the Colts, I'm not going to be sitting here like going like, Oh my God, we never should have traded him because we absolutely should have. Um, it just wasn't working here. And if, it doesn't work here for Ben Simmons and it does work somewhere else. That's, that's great. Good for him. Good for that team. 
good for our team because hopefully we got something of value in return because it just wasn't going to work here. The only way I would really kind of be super salty about it is uh, is if we were playing that team in the right. in the championship, you know. Right. But like, it is what it is. I am who I am. It is what it is. You know, um, and you know, not to harp on Carson Wentz, but uh, yeah. I'll tell you, I'm going to be a pretty big Indianapolis Colts fan because we really do want that pick to. To well, commute, sure. You know what well, I mean? you just want them to play. I don't really care how many wins they get or not. Right. But, not, you know, I don't wish bad on any of these guys. Um, I heard uh, um, some chatter about potentially Zach Levine. I think that would be um, an interesting mix. I don't know how that fits in with Seth. Um, you know, I don't know. But whatever. I think that would be a, that would be interesting. Um, you know, and you mentioned the other the other big names that I think uh, that I think some people were talking about. Um all right, any uh, – boy, I can't believe it's been an hour already, Gene. <laughs> any other final uh, final Sixers thoughts or any uh, any other final thoughts on the post? Because I don't – I mean, I don't know, man. We're going to be – we're going to be like left alone in the house with the Phillies for like eight weeks, ten weeks now. Um, well, and we're uh, coming up on the All-Star break, which is going to be a really fun week. <laughs> Well, you know, we're always up to some uh, some shenanigans. My final thought uh, on the uh, on the Sixers Hawks series is: uh, How is this fool, John Collins, <laughs> get a T-shirt made? <laughs> he gets a T-shirt made of his offensive foul uh, dunking on a man who has a torn meniscus and, and, and an injury, wearing sunglasses, like he's at the uh, the World Poker Tour. Uh, at, at this post game, this dude is gonna look like, like he's the Raptor a... man. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like I, you know, I I'm always a um, like we've talked about this on the show before. Like, does do you want the team that beat you to lose or win it all? Um, and I've never been, and I fluctuate sometimes. Sometimes I go like, okay, well, I well now I want them to win the whole thing if they beat us. Uh, but I've never wanted a team just to get like smacked down and put in its place more than the Atlanta Hawks. Um, uh, I didn't like the Hawks before. They have given me, if there's anything to take away from this, that's, I don't know if you call it a positive, but I do love to hate stuff. So, um, yes, you do. Um, there's like three guys now on the Atlanta Hawks that I just hate. I didn't like Trey Young before. I hate him now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I hate most of the re- like all those guys standing around in the front row. Uh, I do not want to see that on the N- in the NBA Finals. Like that is no bueno. Um, that is the stupidest thing I've ever seen in an arena in in my life. I just it, don't. John Collins, don't like it's Trey is always at the top for the hate the Hawks, um, and then it's now John Collins is at number two for me. Or John Collins is like that Matthew Barnaby kind of type. Like he just oh. Well, God, it's like, who are you? And you shouldn't even be here. Why are you here? <laughs> I and I don't like Herder. I, I know I'm being a baby him. about it now. I'm I'm kind of being a baby that, about it. That team is is uh I cannot wait to, for uh the Greek freak to just bury them. Yeah, well, I mean maybe that'll drive me to to watch to watch tomorrow night. <sighs> All yeah, right, it's well, hate watching. We're hate watching the Hawks. Hate, hate, hate watch the Hawks. All right, that's it. That might um, be the show title. Hate watch the hawks. Hate watch the hawks. All right, we'll be back uh, next Tuesday. Uh, maybe we'll give some hate the hawks updates. But um, you know, we're gonna have a lot more, a lot more uh, baseball.
baseball talk, I think, uh, I think next week. Yeah. Uh, as yeah. We, uh, I mean, leave. thankfully in probably about three or four weeks, we could seriously start talking about training camp. So yeah, that could be our saving grace. Yeah. Yeah. That maybe summer league basketball. Oh, uh, the lotteries tonight. Do we know who, uh, Oh, I didn't. I didn't look that up. Was it? Was that tonight? It's fun. It's funny that Sixers fans are like not really worried about the uh, the NBA draft lottery. Yeah, that used um, to be our thing. Uh, but yeah, so we'll be talking about NBA draft, the Sixers training camp. Uh, Reese just went yard. Uh, Phillies are only down by one now in the eighth. So we'll help you nice. talk to Philly. Hey. So um, if you haven't done so already, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Also check us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Potadelphia. If you have any more time in your podcast listening day, be sure to check out the whip around for all the week's weird news. Uh, and also check out the painted lines on YouTube for wall-to-wall Philly sports coverage um, and entertainment. They got you all covered there. Um, I will see you next Tuesday. And until then, have a great day at work, everybody. We are out of here.